and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. You are nasty. Hey, 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 hey. Nasty. <clears throat> Hello, friends. Hello. <laughs> Clean cut. That's me. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. No, I don't think so. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hi, everybody. Christmas lights. Okay. Nugget of wisdom from Santa Monica. Oh, dear. So, you know, I had my studio and I had... Oh my goodness. I would, I, I went to pick and save. I don't know if pick and save still exists. It may be called think, the dollar store. dollar store. Yeah. So I would go and get a whole bunch of Christmas lights. Like as many as I could, all the colors, whatever they had, I just shoved them in the basket and went home and just put everything up. All right. And it was like Las Vegas, man. It was like, it was like, bzz, bzz, bzz. it was buzzing. So you got the flickering ones, huh? <laughs> I got every, every single one. I just, I love them so much. But I mean, the walls were covered. The ceilings were covered. The windows were covered. There was just, it was like walking down the strip, the Las Vegas strip back in the day. For two windows or three windows. One, two, three windows. But they were the large, like French windows, you know, those big, you know, old fashioned like really tall windows, European style, gorgeousness. Anyway, so that place was lit up, right? And you can see it on the streets of Santa Monica. You could see all the, <laughs> the crazy light, the light that was within, right? So years later, Aikido and I became friends. We had, um, so one of, the guys I hung out with. Remember Jim Cutler? Yes. One of the black belts. <sighs> so he he came over and the first time he came over, he was and the lights were on. He's like, Oh, it's you. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, Oh my God. <laughs> Fawn he so he explained to me that he would walk near this building that we lived in, that I lived in. He would walk near and see and always look up and see my studio and he would always wonder who the hell lives there like what is going on with all the lights right, right? and he said it always made him happy <laughs> like he loved looking at it mm -hmm. it and it, it was there was something magical about it right because it wasn't just for christmas it was year round man 24 7 right and um it, it made him happy we didn't even know each other so there was that like little connection, right? Mm -hmm. So the pearl of wisdom from this Santa Monica thing was the light within can really touch someone out there that you may not know. What you do in your own home can seriously affect someone on the outside. Right, right. And I'm sure between your monkey screams and your victory screams and your, yes, I'm sure you... A, woke a lot of people up, but B, also, uh, you know, gave people a little spot of happiness. 
Oh my God. I mean, I, they gave me so much happiness and I am baffled that I was treated with such gentleness by the community because I mean, I was the loudest person. I, the stuff I did, right. Like the screaming out the window, asking people what they had in their bags. People I didn't know. They were just walking Mm by like, what's in the bag? And they would tell me, right. (laughs) You know what? If I buy something super cool and somebody asks what's in the bag, oh my God, somebody actually gives a hoot. Or like, of course, I'm going to tell you what's in it. I would even tell people, you know, because it was right across the street from O'Brien's pub. And if someone was smoking, I'd be like, hey, buddy, stop. Why are you smoking? Put it out. Put it out. You know, like just I these bizarre. Chill. And I was loud. Mm-hmm. This is from across the street. Right. They wouldn't say, hey, buzz off. They would say they were they would just like. They'd be like, I know, right? I should stop, but I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they're being that nice. Like, I would have been mean. <laughs> well, in, in point of fact, okay, if I'm a dude, right, and some pretty girl is talking to me, first of all, pretty girl's talking to me. But secondly, I don't want to be an a hole. We inherently, I think, don't want to be an a hole unless we feel like the person who's talking to us is being an a hole. And so the masculine energy, when that comes in, we can we can feel like we need to defend territory, but when pretty girls talking to you, you don't want to defend any territory. Oh, could it also have been that the voice came from up above, so it was like God? <laughs> uh, no. God was talking to them. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, so that's that's the nugget for today. Is the light within? You never know. Fair enough. All right, ready for the show? Are you ready? Hello. No, Are you I ready? never am. You're not what ready. What are we going to talk about today? Well, let me just start with the definition and then I'll get into it. Oh, dear. One of the definitions. Webster's defines. No, 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 no. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember where I got the definition. I just wrote it down <laughs> because I'm like, you know what? Okay, so synthesis. One, the combination of ideas to form a theory or a system. Two, the production of chemical compounds by reaction from simpler materials. Now, to not be scientific about it, I have an issue with simpler materials for so many reasons. If you're going to take it outside the science scope, and right. I'm going to talk about synthesis like communication with people, like people, like a culture, mm-hmm. simple is the mistake. And if you go back to science, simple yet again is a mistake because no matter how far you go you will never i mean correct me if i'm wrong if you break something down if you look at something through a microscope right you can get more powerful microscopes and keep keep going and going and going and going does anything ever stop like how numbers does it ever stop it keeps going so you look at something through a microscope you see that smaller particles you magnify even more you see even more smaller 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 is everything infinite so like even if you're looking at a flower it is complex if you look at the design of everything in life if you really look at things in a scientific matter way it is incredibly complex looking at it through like a lens of photography 
you know, what I was taught. I had the greatest professor in college when I studied photography. And he would show us the most boring, boring ass pictures and be like, oh my God, look at the beauty. I'm like, there was me and this other kid, Donovan. We were like, what are you talking about? Anyone could have taken these pictures. These are like really dull. <laughs> and he'd say, yeah, but not everybody did, did they? Oh, sniggities. One person took this picture. Right. One person saw the beauty in what you think is boring. Right. But he took the picture. Nobody else did. And he, this guy was so brilliant, this professor. So like it totally changed my life. When you look at something, the things that you ignore are the most profound. Unless your mind is open enough, you can see the profound in things that people completely ignore right and discount mm -hmm. right and that blew me away not just uh in a sense of like studying photography but really people like the people and you taught me this too just watching you when we were friends you know pay attention to trifles is what you would always say to me absolutely that the people who are quiet that you could possibly ignore or the culture even mm -hmm. they're the ones with the most profound everything to offer so pay attention right and so this actually gets into the topic of today um another thing about synthesis is it's another kind of definition is to combine a number of different pieces into a whole and it made me think of uh, the term melting pot. Mm -hmm. Melting pot always bothered me. Like the United Sta States, you know. The, As the, a melting pot. Yeah, we were a melting pot. And I think it never it never sat right with me growing up. I heard that a lot. But I never, I never really thought about why that bothers me. And this year in quarantine, I finally realized what it was. Throughout all these years, I was always to I was always asked or it was demanded of me uh, to erase my culture, to erase my identity. Not huh. only not only growing up in the United States, like to become Americanized, but also within my family, who was very terrified of having to, you know, escape from a country that was in turmoil and right. Um, they literally had to, I mean, a lot of my relatives had to run for their lives. Um, I forgot what I was saying. You'd melting pot, blend in. So not only, I feel like, was it demanded of this new culture mm -hmm. that I came to when I was very little. Right. And even though my family, this is what I wanted to say, even though the family I was raised in, the family I was born in, even though... They loved their culture, but they had to flee the country that they were in. Right. Right. They, they wanted to keep their culture. They, and then they found it hard being here because there was so much uh, persecution in so many ways. Right. So th there was this confusion of do we assimilate? Do we keep our, do, do we teach our, you know, not just with, the family I was raised in, but like I, I noticed it across so many different families that I watched. Right. Do we keep the traditions? Do we 
do we dare speak together out in public in this other language? Right. Um, yeah, that's a big one. You know, I started to notice that a lot of women, Middle Eastern women, dyed their hair blonde. They got blue contacts. Mm-hmm. They um, did everything to not look dark. You know that, and then me, I, I could, you couldn't, you can't hide. I always ask you, like, honey, if I dress completely in this manner and cover up every square inch of my skin and put on sunglasses can you still tell that i'm an immigrant that can you still tell i'm ethnic and you always say oh yeah absolutely no, <laughs> like, no question it's all over me i can't it's also my personality i can't what's the word i can't shift like that i can't code switch i can't i can't do anything like right. i can't blend right. in it's it's your your inner popeye is very well defined and well formed and very very strong my Popeye game is not that strong. Well, that's a very nice way to describe it, honey. I just feel like it's a weakness because, you know, like in corporate culture, I can't necessarily hide my feelings. It's not like I'm going to act like a jerk or an out of bounds person, but, right. you know, if something is wrong, it's written all over my face. Right. No, no, no. And exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, with with you, you get exactly what you see is what you get, and bam, here it is, and it's just gonna you're you're either gonna be okay with it or you're not, and if you're not, then then you know we're just gonna go our separate ways. It's not like I'm gonna try and acquiesce or anything. And going back to the word synthesis, the definition, and thinking about the melting pot, I think that's the problem, and I think much like how the word simple in the definition of you know, chemical compounds by reaction from simpler materials, there is no simple. You know, it's too, that, that definition is just too vague. Let me I finish, think... let me finish. And then hold, hold your thought. So what I'm saying is there should not be a melting pot. It should be, I don't know, what dish out there is it that holds the integrity of every ingredient and you have a beautiful dish because of it, not because something melts and becomes something else. Well, I would argue that a vegetable omelet. Oh, well, I don't want to get stuck on the dish, but do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I do. I do, but I don't want to melt. I do not want to melt. I want my culture. I want my language. I want everybody else's culture and everybody else's language, everybody else's fashion, everybody else's ideas. I want it to remain whole. I don't think it's a good idea to melt into one thing. Okay, but... And I think that will lead to world peace if we can, we can appreciate each ingredient. See, I would argue that if you're, if you're making a something and you're, let's say, boiling it or whatever, and all the flavors kind of go into one place, it's a boring dish. You do need the subtleties of flavor. You do need the tweak to the taste. You do need all of these things. And so I would argue things like, you know, cultures that we wouldn't necessarily say, oh, that's foreign, like German, the German culture in America, right? Milwaukee, Bratz, Oktoberfest. They had to hide their entire culture but during World War II. But they're out. It, it, it's They're not out now. It's not quote unquote hidden at this point. I would say that there was a period certainly of adjustment or there was a period of 
curiosity, questioning, and certainly being German myself, the whole specter of Nazism is a, just a, an uncomfortable subject on a personal level, even though my family was here since well before World War II, but that's another story. Um, but I think there are ways to assimilate, and I think melting into one mass, I think, I think that image is a terrible one. I, I like having, even if it's a bad flavor in my mashed potatoes, I still like having variation. I like lumps in my mashed potatoes. So the um, German culture, they had to melt and become one. So Except, you couldn't tell, hold on, you couldn't tell that they were German. They had to do that. Um, certain businesses in Milwaukee had to, we were learning about all these dishes that are actually German that we think is 100% all American but they're actually German, but they had to they had to hide that fact during World War II because there was so much angst and hate. And I'm sure there was an interesting but, amount during World War I too, as well. Right. But remember how we learned that they had to totally hide their Germanness? Right, absolutely. And then eventually, like now it's safe for them. Right. Plus it was easier for them because they're white. You can so easily just switch. But... That's what I'm talking about. But now we know, hey, the hot dog, like all these things that we think are all American are actually German, right? And back then they were not considered like all American. Like True. you had to you had to you had to hide your immigration status. Right. right? For for a period of time in much the same way that uh, well, during the McCarthy era um, you know, they went after anybody they suspected was a communist. And, and the McCarthy era, like all eras, ends. It, it, but here's what I'm saying. It doesn't end. The next culture is the one to be targeted. So it's constantly a, an, a constant... Um, it's a constant moving target? I don't like to, work, to use that word, moving target. No, it's a constant assembly line of hate once you know during this decade it's this group then it's this group then it's this other group you know what i mean so now it's like i can i can definitely see your point but i really don't want to because i really I know you don't believe want to believe we're on a higher plane than that. we are not on a higher plane than that our society is not on a higher plane than that. okay i'm just gonna make my sad face now okay but but that that's the point i'm trying to make is realize that it, we're not I mean, you can't put, put, we can no longer keep going like, oh, nothing ever happened. We can't keep going like this. It's gone on far too long. So I'm just going to say it. And you've known this all along. And certain leaders in the world and in, in, in history have said, hey, if you do this against my brother, soon you will do it against me. So I'm going to stand up for my brother, even though I'm not that target. Who was it? Was it uh, somewhere in northern... Europe, um, the leader of a country who, who during World War II, before it started, he's like, hey, if you're going to be hurting these people, you're hurting me. Right. Yeah. I, I, I know the Denmark? quote you're talking about, but I have no idea where it came so where if, it comes if from. Someone, if one group is going after another group, best believe you will be a target at some point, too, is what I'm saying. Right. It's, it's just it's never stopped, which is the t basically... It goes back to friendship, much like, again, it's microscopic, macroscopic. It all is the same thing. And of course, this has to do with friendship. The way, the way I've seen it since I was a kid, everything that happens in politics 
everything that happens out there affects friendship. Um, well, it certainly puts barriers up to friendship. I mean, ever since I can remember, ever since, I mean, of course, because I traveled when I was teeny tiny. So I remember first grade, the this little boy coming up to me and saying, hey, you know, you and I could be married, but too bad because you're from this culture and I'm from this culture. So that can never happen. And, you know, what that's not. No, no, but that's that's the way the world is. You know, as an immigrant, again, okay, all of a sudden, I'm in L.A., all right? And the kids on the playground beating up any Middle Eastern kid they can get their hands on, the kids have no experience with Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern anything. All they hear is what's on the news and what their parents describe or talk about at home. And so it starts the whole, um, the whole assembly line of hate. The kids don't know anything about Middle Eastern politics, but they come to school the next day and beat you up because, oh, wait, you're from Iran? Right. Right. No, I get it. By the way, that's our kids laughing at God knows what. You know, it's interesting. I'm talking about something so bad and then they're like, hee hee ha ha. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, again, I, I really don't want to agree with you, so I'm going to just not say anything. You can't just not say anything. That's the whole problem in our world is you're not saying anything. And as as a wife to you, right? I am so offended that like you will always try to be so um, even keel. What's the word? Like... Um, What's the scale you're trying to have it be Balanced. even? You're always trying to look at the other person's point of view where I am like being hurt by these people. And you're like, well, let's look at their point of view. Enough. I think, honestly, you all have had your point of view very much on display. And you need to understand what's really happening here. All right. And I just, you know, oh my God. See, it's because of you. I did not want to turn it to this racial thing. I don't want to go there. I wanted to have a, a light show talking about friendship, okay? I haven't even gotten to the, the title, which is Us, Them. Us slash them. Is it possible to have synthesis? How can we have synthesis in society when there is so much of us versus them? And I got to tell you, I've never really felt us. I have always felt other and them. And when I was labeled as them, within them, I was the other. Meaning, even in my own culture, in my own family, mm -hmm. I was the other. I was them, not us. I was always too dark in my own family. Too not the way they think pretty is to whatever to rebellious to and i wasn't really but do you know what i mean i was I always the other even when you know i had a boyfriend his mother was like supremely racist and she made a comment one day um she li they lived in bel-air right in the hills and we were standing in the driveway she goes oh god 
because she saw a moving van she said oh god the alibabas are moving in and i looked at her and i usually um back then i was Mm -hmm. younger and like i could not believe the things that were said so like you i didn't want to admit that things were happening right and there's also a shock factor because that would just what well yeah and it happened so much but it was still a shock factor no matter how many times it happened but this one day i said stop what are you saying and i was ready to have a verbal confrontation with her and that's not like me i'm not a good confrontation type of person Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to verbiage i'd much rather um throw a table (laughs) right but um but i was ready like it was just coming out of me and she got it and she knew that there was no defense so here's what she said and i've heard this so many times before i had heard it so many times before she's like oh but you you're not one of them you're one of us and i mean what do you say to that to that kind of um, foolishness right right but so anyway us them synthesis i don't I don't know. How can we achieve synthesis? That is a great question. You Even know, in honestly. friendships, right? Because we have economic status. You have fashion status. You have ideas, different ideas, different class. neighborhoods. For sure, class. Um, Backgrounds. You, know, you live in different areas. You have different jobs. So, again, looking at something macroscopically and microscopically, it's really the same issue it's the same there's one common denominator for all of this you know like for example another thing i wanted to bring up and it seems like i'm going all over the place but it's really all related um let's take the middle east for as an example right we as a middle eastern i i mean constantly being targeted as a terrorist um just vilified in every way right um, what I'm, what the benefit of having experienced such hatred thrown at me has been. Why, why well, you it? said benefit of hatred. Ugh. Because it, again, it's an uncomfortable place for me to be. Okay, the benefit. I always have to think. Well, what can I get from this situation? Mm-hmm. Right. It made me realize. Well, it made me very sensitive to being an outcast. Right. Right. W- and it made me realize it's not just me that you want to fix your mic. <laughs> it made me realize that it's not just me much like the, was it a prince or was it the king of, was it the Netherlands who said, if you're going to go after my brother, you're going after me too. So, well, yes, but the king of the Netherlands was, I believe during world war two, he put on the Jewish star. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he went for it. And that, before I had heard about him, as a kid, I always felt that way. Because looking at me, you were not able to say where I was from. You, you couldn't tell, am I part black? Am I am I Muslim? Am I Jewish? Am I, am I Mexican? Am I from Honduras? Am I from Peru? Am I from, I don't know. You know, they couldn't tell what I was. So wherever I went... Whatever kind of... Um, wait, wait, wait. They couldn't tell what I was. That's what they would... They would say, what God. are you? What are you? I know. I know. And that's that's a problem right there, right? I know, honey. I mean, what are you? Well, honey, gee, you I'm, wanna... I'm a person. I happen to be female. What's up? I mean, I happen to be male, but you know what I mean. Um, but for that's you to just say. it. When you, when you have this kind of... Um, 
uh, idiotic thinking mm-hmm. thrown at you, you can't make sense of it. It's it's not it's not it's not educated. Right, and 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 I get it. And there's that's just it. It's it's a way to get to know somebody to say you know when when confronted with that, saying something like, "Well, where are your people from?" Like again, your people, not my people. Right. Again, that's why words are so important and the way we speak has transformed and that's why language is slowly being kind of uh recaptured by different you know people uh you know getting rid of uh sexist pronouns and etc also the vibration of words there are some words that just are uh, that bring war those are fighting words right yes so Okay, back to what are you? <laughs> oh, Lord. Because people couldn't tell where I was from, mm-hmm. I was always targeted as whatever belief system that they had held in that particular moment in time. Whatever was on the news, depending on what part of the world I was walking in, I was that. And so the benefit I got was I am all of that. If you're going to come at me and put all your hatred about Mexicans on me, yeah, I'm Mexican, and I will be Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in England, and I was called an effing Paki, and surrounded by these thugs, I was like, yeah, I'm from Pakistan. How, how, you know, I started a conversation with them, and then that's when they realized I was American, because I had the American accent, and then they quickly asked me if I knew this famous uh, movie star. Well, you like, were from L.A., so, ignorant. you know, it's a good shot. Right. You know, like it was ridiculous. They went from, they had totally surrounded me. It was dark. It was late at night. Mm-hmm. There was nobody else around. Right. I mean, in my pocket, I had my arm, my arm in my pocket. I had un, undone my Swiss army knife and I was ready to cut them because I, I knew that they were going to beat me up. Right. But my accent, American accent saved me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it's just idiotic because they went from one extreme to like, oh my God, we love you. Do you know this person? You know, like idiotic. That's what racism is. It's just uneducated, uneducated. Right. Right. Yeah. Even just defining America, I guess they defined American as a race, which is interesting, you know, but I guess they were discriminating against you based upon arbitrary political boundaries. Right. i.e. Pakistan versus... Yeah, and what they hear at home. Because the, their their thing was that I personally took their dad's job away from them. Right. So anyway, this is getting heavy. And it was I totally did not intend for that to happen. But like I said, in order to have a friendlier society, we need to talk about all these things. Yes. And you just said you don't want to. But here I am. You're married to it, honey. Here we go. So I love the laughter in the background. <laughs> our laugh track. Let that be our light. You know, our example of light and fun. So what I, you know, briefly what I, what I wanted to touch on is one of the things I learned when I was traveling, you know, as a photographer, mm-hmm. I, I did my own uh, projects and I especially... Towards the end, I just funded my own projects and I would just hop on planes and go photograph what I thought needed to be seen. Right. Right. And one of the planes I took, I was flying out of Ethiopia 
excuse me, I was flying out of Ethiopia. And this is something as an immigrant, what I was trying to tell you is one of the benefits of being hit with such hatred is you have a sensitivity to not only your own thing, but to everybody else's, to everybody else's injustices, right? You are very, um, very sensitive is the only word I can think of, but you're definitely aware and you have such compassion, right? Because you have lived it yourself. Mm -hmm. So what I saw on this airplane ride was everything I had experienced my entire life that I just thought to myself, I didn't really verbalize it. So I'm on the plane, you get buckled, the plane is about to take off. And on the screen, the movie screen, you think, oh, they're going to play a movie. This, this uh, public awareness announcement comes on. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think probably I didn't I don't remember looking around, but I believe it was targeted at the Western population, right? Like the white people, like Americans and Europeans. Okay. The, the, basically, this film, it was like a three minute survey, like not a survey. What do you call it? A public an announcement? Public service announcement. Yeah, a public service announcement. It was something like that. It said, you know, now that you're leaving the continent of Africa, we want you to know and to remember that when there is war, we want you to please remember that it's not always what you think it is. And their message was that when you look at war from the outside, you tend to think, oh, it's these people, these crazy people are just doing crazy stuff. Where in fact, it's other countries coming in to create chaos, to make that place unstable. What's the word? Unstable, unstable. yes. So therefore they can achieve whatever they need to for power. Right. So does that make, am I making myself? No, no, no. It makes perfect sense in a case where, you know, I'm a, let's say a, a big multinational petroleum conglomerate and I don't have access to a given market. Let's say it's in, um, let's just say, I don't know, pick random countries. Let's say <laughs> Iceland. Let's just say Iceland just to get us away from, let's, let's just move it up there. And I want access to that market. Well, if I fund, um, obviously, somebody who takes over Iceland, even though I think that's an impossibility because it's part of Denmark. But anyways, um, but I fund that guy. That guy will probably give me contracts or we can make that arrangement beforehand. So it makes sense for me to have him overthrow the given ruling party if I can't get my in there. And I may have multi-trillions multi of dollars. Certainly, if I'm a petroleum company, I do. You know... If I, if I was not a photographer, if I was not doing what I was doing, honestly, at this point, because I've also now become a teacher to our kids, and I'm not just talking about a pandemic teacher, we were like original homeschoolers, as we go through history and we're studying things and we're researching things together, I'm realizing I would love to get a PhD in history because there's no way if even if you take one small corner of a, a specific country and if you study that your entire career you still won't have studied it completely you won't have all the different um sides to every situation 
Right. Right. Yeah, no, I can totally agree with that. So, there's, there's been I far mean, too much time elapsed and too much random stuff happens even in, you know, what we consider quiet places. And the way we are not taught, especially in the United States, things and history and geography and math and the way things get lumped together. Again, going back to microscopic as opposed to macroscopic. And, you know, like, like let's take the Middle East for as an example. We look at it in a very macroscopic way. We are just like, oh, not we. I, I, okay, this is what I hear all the time is, oh, the Middle Easterners, they're all terrorists. They're crazy. Crazy. Crazy is the word that's thrown out, right? Right. They're, they're crazy. Right. Crazy is convenient because if someone's crazy, then I'm done. I don't have to think anymore. And that's the problem. You don't have to think anymore. Right. You don't have to talk about it. I'm never going to understand what's going on. So they're just crazy. At the beginning of our talk, you said, I don't want to talk about it. It's the same thing, honey. It's a problem. All right. And if you really just study it, you realize what I was afraid to think about, what I was afraid to uh, see is quite beautiful. If you look at the Middle Eastern culture, it is gorgeous the food the music all the religions you know people think the middle east they think muslim fanatics the islamic culture the the muslim religion is beautiful but in the middle east you also have the jewish religion you have christianity you have the baha'i the most like lovely, peaceful people. There are so many things within that area. And for it to be lumped as this terrorist thing is one of the biggest mistakes we are making. And, you know, looking at World War II and what happened in World War One and how World War One ended and how these boundaries were just like haphazardly just thrown together is the reason why there's so much trouble now to this day. Because there are so many cultures and so many languages, so many different points of views, so many ideas that were just lumped as one thing to discard and just say, here, this is your boundary. When you have that much turmoil and that much ignorance placed upon a, a people it creates fix, friction it creates war all right it creates a distraught person it creates such pain and so what i'm trying to say is as friends as a culture we shouldn't we we shouldn't be afraid to really explore something don't be a don't be afraid to explore a different taste. Let's taste all these foods. You know, which, which I, you know, by the way, we're going to have an addition to our show on Sundays. We're going to record on Wednesdays late at night, a late night edition, if you will, of recipes from around the world, veganified by me, but also <laughs> basically sharing stories of culture and ideas. Right, right. I friends. completely understand. I mean, I remember uh, one of my favorite shows, Top Gear, and they went through 
they had a Middle East um, special where they were all driving around in convertibles and they were all wearing uh, flak vests and things going through uh, areas of Iraq. And on What's day, a flak vest? Is it like a bulletproof it's, thing? It's more than bulletproof, yes. Right. Uh, and, and then on day three, they took them off and they're like, you know, we've been driving through Iraq and we're driving through the Kurdish region and everyone has just been lovely. So what are we doing? I mean, if you want to talk about hospitality, no one will turn you away. That's like the law. Someone knocks on your door and they're hungry. You feed them. You take care of your brother and sister. You, your humanity. Your human fellows. And it's just, please, you know, we need to really get microscopic with the way we see the world. And, you know, another thing that I think of the Middle East, like, I, I just want to say... Um, as I was, as now we're getting into, getting really deep, deep into algebra with our kids. And, um, and yes, there are a few years ahead. Thank you, homeschooling. But I, <laughs> we're getting into it. And at the same time, we were going, we were studying Islam. And, and I'm just, I'm having like flashes of what I learned and, you know, my background is not Muslim either. So, but I, I grew up with it. I, I grew up to study all these different religions, right? In school and in my own school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we were talking about Islam and this name popped up, all of a sudden I had a flash. I'm like, oh, that's where algebra comes from. Like, it just, I forgot. I'm, I've been so immersed in the American culture. Right. And also forcing myself to, because to avoid pain, mm -hmm. I've assimilated myself in, in different ways I didn't think I was, making myself blended. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I forgot how to speak the language I used to speak my tongue doesn't even perform the same way. Like when you speak different languages. Oh, your tongue performs stop it um your tongue it's like you use different muscles different right. areas of your tongue to make different sounds right and i realized oh, i forgot how to use that muscle do you know what i mean mm -hmm. but when we were looking at this particular name we were looking at all the different caliphs and the different um dynasties like the different um what do you call it like the different families that existed in the first like the first three major dynasties in Islam and what their differences were and everything. And we, we were looking at the different scholars and what each one provided. I was like, oh my God, algebra comes from Al-Jabr, Jabr. And I remember all of a sudden it flashed to being a little, little kid, like probably four years old and hearing Jabr all the time because, you know, my, my siblings were older and they were studying algebra, but Jab was the class that they would talk about. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh my God, that's algebra. It comes, and then I, we started reading further. I'm like, that's right. Algebra comes from Islam. You know, they, paper comes from there. Medical literature, like all the scholars, they all, where was it? It was the, the caliphates, the, I'm, I'm mispronouncing it, but the, 
was it the Umayyad family? It was a particular Islamic dynasty from the beginning, but they were from the Spain area of Spain back then. Right? Am I saying it right? Yeah, but I, mm, again, my knowledge of this is very spotty. I thought they went after they were deposed over, I mean, there was, Spain was factoring, but it was more about when they were deposed that it became more of a central focus. I think it was the Umayyad kingdom. They had a center for learning and they had, it was like a, a it, I don't know if it was a temple. It was a, a, a place of worship, but really it was a place for Christian Jews, Muslims. Cordoba, that's the word I was looking for, the name Cordoba, Spain. They all congregated together. All these were, all these scholars from these different sects right. came together. And we, that's where encyclopedias for medicine came from. That is where, like, all the things that we are using today, the way government is formed, the, the way the laws are put together, it all comes from the Middle East. You know, but then again, if we study Africa, everything comes from Africa. Welcome to welcome but, to trying to find. We're we're I think we're. That's why I said you have to have a PhD. You, we're looking at cells yes. again. Like how far back do you go? Because, you know, in as much as the original horsemen revolutionized warfare that took us into you know plate armor and the defense bike created by Archimedes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These things constantly evolve, and as much that. Algebra was then brought into Northern Europe and then point of contention. Calculus somehow or another sprouted. It was Gauss, but British people believe it was, I forget his name because yeah, he's not Gauss, but um, you know, these things all follow from one another and they all evolve. And that's one of the reasons why I want to say because, um, because the Arabic culture the world was so dominant around the time of the crusades that we use arabic numbers now right and we don't think of them as arabic numbers they're just numbers so are you going to look at that and say terrorist numbers because they come from that region come on people i just think okay so everything comes back to food for me and we just we need to taste everything and we need to slow down and really give light to the meal before us and be thankful and appreciate every taste i agree in principle with that statement absolutely what but there's too much there's too much to learn there's too much to see so it's, that, it's about you know open what? mind i understand but to say there's too much gives you the freedom to say i don't want to talk about it i don't want to look at it Meh. I'm just going to just be ignorant is what you're saying to me. Oh dear. I kind of walked into that one. I'm trying to offer you some baklava. And I'm going to try your baklava. And, and now guess what? Now baklava is like the tiramisu. Like everybody loves baklava. But guess what people? It's Middle Eastern. Do you know what I mean? But people love it. What I'm saying is please know that there's beauty like I, I've been brainwashed too. I mean, as a photographer, when I went to certain places, I remember the first time I went to Ethiopia, I was like, I'm going to see what my, there's a photographer I love, Sebastian Salgado. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to see devastation like he saw. Excuse me. I saw lush green fields. I saw so many different fruits. 
and vegetables and it wasn't famine and you know my goodness it was rich and beautiful and the air was dewy and lovely and there were streams and it was just beautiful do you know what i mean like, yeah, no, abso you, absolutely. You think you're going to step onto this land over here and it's going to be the moon. See, what I'm saying is not ignore and it's not, there's too much and so I can't possibly process it all. That I am saying and that I believe is true, but uh, even just in the realm of food, but walk into each one with an open mind. It's like when I go to a restaurant, if there is a house special, I remember there was a restaurant by LA, LA airport and it was this beer cheese soup. Oh my God, what the bejesus is beer. And I was like, it's the house specialty. Let me try this. But be oh careful. my goodness, it was awesome. Be careful, honey, because the house specialty is chop suey, perhaps. What is chop suey? It's an Americanized version, something that they thought the Americans could palate. So should I not have chop suey? I'm just saying a chop suey is actually a mix of a mix of different things. Right. right? But a, I I would say that I enjoyed the chop suey but, at but X restaurant. Listen to I me. wouldn't say No, but what I'm saying is people think chop suey is traditional Chinese and it's not. Right. What I'm saying is if you're looking at the main dish, the house specialty, mm -hmm. maybe look beyond that also and realize, oh my God, they could say specialty is chop suey, but chop suey is not Chinese. I mean, it, it is, I guess now, but it was, it's not, it's not authentic Chinese cuisine, right? original but cuisine. I'm also not going to wander into, you know, a random anything and say, this is the way it is. Even if it, even if it's like, oh yes, we are 100% authentic Mandarin cuisine. I'm not going to judge all Mandarin cuisine by the food I get at one restaurant. Okay. How okay. special or no? Okay. Look, what I'm, I can, I, are both of our voices have been like elevating well, now? Well, you're gonna, you're gonna get punchy here. Well, I can feel because it. because you always want to disagree with me and I've had it, man. I'm, I'm, oh, dear. you know, I'm not going to be subservient here, especially when it comes to talking about my pain. I am, and I'm not talking like pain, feel my pain. I'm saying, please look at the beauty. Please look at the rose water that comes from Iran. Please look at the nutmeg and the cinnamon and please look at, you know, come on. At, at no point am I and, disagreeing with that. Okay, I'm just, so your voice is like... I'm just not going to write a dissertation on Persian cuisine to Listen, enjoy some rose water in my coffee. I'm just saying, please acknowledge where the rose water comes from. If I can figure it out. I'm telling you where it's from. Well, yes, if you're telling me, then that's one thing, but... But it's not you, because obviously... You know, if I'm just studying algebra in high school, you know, nobody told me it came from anywhere. Maybe they should have. And I'm with without a doubt, but yeah, I'm, I'm you know, when did I do algebra? Eighth grade. So I was what? Ha <laughs> ha. I started algebra 13. in fifth grade I in was, the United States. I was 13. Um, you know, I wasn't thinking through where does this, but that's come the from? problem. It's how we teach each other. We don't. And then we start to have these preconceived ideas that this group over here, they're wrong. This group over here, they're evil axis of evil. Come on. Well, yes, the preconceived notion, but, but I'm just saying that translates to the children that translates to friendships 
and it's reason the reason why we're so divided it it it's it's just it's it, it runs deep yeah and what i'm trying to say without i don't want to carry this fighting yeah but yeah but yeah but what i'm trying to say to you is if you look at things microscopically in every family okay i'll start with in every country in every culture in every family there is this problem of us versus them much like in my family i was the them i was not part of us right right much like like even if you look at like our okay so you're the united states right now people say well we have so many problems because we have so many diverse cultures here right under one roof and mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to manage right there's a lot of things that go wrong there's a lot of different viewpoints a lot of perspectives all of that right it's hard to manage such a pot right right but if you look at it even if you look at some culture you think is the same like the like the islamic culture they even looking back in history the first three major kingdoms if you will the major first three major kingdoms after Muhammad, Muhammad, they also had different languages and different ideas and different, depending on what part of that region you're from, you were treated differently. So everybody, if you break it down, everybody has the same issues. So I feel like if we can come up with a way to break down all that, all those issues is just one issue of diversity isn't that it don't you think that's the major common denominator is diversity right yeah no i'm not gonna argue that but again like keeping an open mind isn't you're saying keeping an open mind isn't good enough it's not you have to study but i ain't got that kind of time oh my god honey so you don't have time to eat eat something new you're gonna have to eat anyway i eat new stuff all the time Yeah, because i'm cooking it i'm not going to research how look what i'm trying to say rice is really grass that has evolved over multiple generations that's not what i'm saying to you okay then what are you saying you're thinking this is the i think the american mentality is to study something is so hard it's so difficult it's really not it's just looking it's it's more than having an open mind it's going out there and tasting it. It's going out there and trying to understand it. It's looking at a foreign movie. See, all these things you do, so don't act like you're a total, like, Right, ignoramus. because it's keeping an open mind is, well, I'll take a bite of that and see if I like it. But to go beyond having an open mind to take action is what I'm saying. And taking action is picking up a morsel of something new that you have never tasted. And guess what? It's not going to be hard for you. It will be delicious. Hopefully. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I do. I totally get it. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? Yeah, unfortunately, I do. Well, see, but you're. I think you're projecting. I think that what I'm saying is keeping an open mind is, oh, so I'm being offered a fill in the blank. Let me take a sip. Let me take a bite. Let me see how I feel about it. But it feels like what you're saying back to me is, but you have to understand the entire etymology of the word and the history of whatever it is you're eating. No, I'm just trying to use those as, as examples. 
Okay. But I, I just I just realized why I'm being triggered by you so much. <laughs> this is what I do. Do you want to hear why? No, but go ahead. No, it's it's just my own trigger. When someone says to me, I have an open mind. Oh dear, I'm using magic words, am I? It's usually me trying to explain my point of view and someone yelling at me. You have no idea how much of an open mind I've had to have with you. Your culture. Ouch. Which lets... And someone very close to us said that. Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Was it me? It was from your family. Woot, woot. I'm safe. It's when we were just married. (laughs) And we were... We got into it because of me. We got into talking about culture and race. And all of a sudden, someone said, you have no idea how much it... And it just split. It split. It split. No, it slipped out. Right. The term, you have no idea how much of an open mind we've had to have. Had to have. Which led, led me to understand really deeply how troubled they were because of me my background my culture being married to you so yeah i'm being triggered by i have an open mind so to me having an open mind is not enough that's my trigger so that's why i'm fighting you right now i know in your heart what is true in your heart but that was a trigger for me i just i didn't know it until the second okay Okay. Anyway, how do we wrap this up? <laughs> well, we went completely off the rails. I had, yeah. What did you want to talk about? You know what? I had silly, stupid nonsense to talk about today. Oh, man. I had so much, too. I totally forgot. I was going to say, you know, like, oh, my God, we did go off the deep end. Because, it. I mean... As far as friendship, I wanted to talk about how in seventh grade, remember how in first grade I beat up a kid? I had a total, I couldn't take anymore. She doesn't let me forget this. I wonder why. I, um, you know, just like I was such a good kid. I was very quiet. And then all of a sudden I had to stand up for myself and beat this kid up because no one else would, you know, no one else would um, do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So I had to take matters into my own hands. Well, I was quiet for years until the seventh grade. Dun, dun, dun. In the seventh grade, there are two things that I remember that I did <laughs> that was like uh, along the lines of like, I can't take this anymore. Right. I'm going to have to take matters into my own hands. Mm-hmm. I was, um, I remember, and then shortly after this incident, incident that I'm going to tell you about, after that, I ended up doing something else, which gave me major trash pickup for a long time. <laughs> Oh, God, we love the trash pickup. So, no, oh my God. No, we don't. So, um, okay, seventh grade, I was uh, in class, and there was a lot of teasing going on, right? And it was building for me. Like, mm-hmm. it was like, I don't know if they thought it was cute, it was okay. It was not okay with me. It was building that the I was starting to boil, mm-hmm. right? And I was still very quiet. But I remember we were in drafting class, and I was sitting next to... Do you remember Emmanuel Lewis? TV's Webster? Yes. Oh, my God. Wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
what how old were you at this time i don't remember because i think it was seventh grade webster was an obnoxiously cute kid so cute but there's no way he looks the same now so he must have gone through an awkward no that that might be even worse and you know i'm i'm i didn't i never watched the show i saw um, i saw some videos of him recently but two years uh, ago i would have to imagine people just call after you with your catchphrase well first of all he was famous right and so you know starting junior high mm-hmm. you have the cliques have now fully been formed right right of course the popular kids the rich kids all of that the geeks. and i was always the other other <sighs> and i and it was building mm-hmm. it was like the and also the racial stuff was building because there was stuff in the news and there was a lot of hate going back and forth right a lot of confusion there always seems to be and so anyway i really liked this guy i'm sure he was very likable once you, once you could break through his webster persona be it him wearing well, it or other people forcing me, it on him i mean i didn't hang out with him he was my desk buddy like so we sat elbow to elbow uh-huh. and i looked at him and i really liked him he was a very sweet intelligent kid right and he was sweet but then what i noticed happening was because he was new i think i don't remember what was going on so all of a sudden he started to tease me the way others were not that i was being teased that much but it was just little little cuts here and there right and unfortunately emmanuel lewis was the last straw for me Uh oh here it comes now he didn't really say or do anything wrong i think he just smirked a certain way and it doesn't matter who it is it's whoever is closest to you when you reach your boiling point completely understand. it has nothing to do with the person so it had nothing to do with emmanuel lewis oh dear but unfortunately he was elbow to elbow with me that day and the school bell rang and all of a sudden i remember the bell rang so we go home it was three o'clock mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i it was like a confetti like a cannon of confetti came out of my mouth of all the bad words i knew of in my life to so say. you had a a christmas carol moment <laughs> when he's beating up the kid who's been tormenting him and just cursing like a sailor all i did was and I, it wasn't even directed at emmanuel lewis it was just i couldn't freaking take it anymore right so but emmanuel lewis was standing right there and most of the class had left oh dear and I remember looking at him and his beautiful brown eyes. They were mm-hmm. big. They were big. Oh, I'm sure they were. And he was kind of frozen. <laughs> uh, I, well, yeah. Welcome to the world of this is a shocking moment. So here I am. And I'm, you know, still very short and small. Right. Right. And I'm like, I just, and I didn't direct it at him. I just said every bad word I could think of. Like, God, bleep, 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 bleep. Blippity blip, blip, blip. And it kept getting louder and louder until I I was done saying every word twice that I could think of. That was the most heinous word possible, right? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Nothing, just like all the F words and all the S-H-I-T words, like any bad word, right? right? Just came out of my mouth. And I remember like everything was quiet and everything was kind of frozen, 
I think people were frozen. Whoever was well, left yeah, in that room. Yeah, I'm sure. But I remember taking a deep breath and going, <sighs> like it, the pressure was gone. Right. But then I looked at the big guy in the room, which was the teacher. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and he was frozen. He was just like, his mouth was wide open. Cause well, I, yeah. mean, it, I was loud. I went on and on. When, well, when you finally hit and that breaking point. <laughs> So he's like, it lasted for a good few long, very long, eternal seconds. But he's like, Fawn, the way you say Fawn when I'm in trouble, Fawn. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, now she'll say the word, folks. <laughs> Sorry. But I look, I, and I was frozen, too. He's like, I cannot believe all this stuff that just came out of your mouth. I want you to write down every word you just said. Dang. And here's the funny part. The only thing I had to write on was this notepad that I had. It was small. And do you remember Boynton, the, the cartoons? They had, like, it was these cute animals, like elephants and giraffes. And they didn't really have mouths. I don't know, but they had the big eyes. They had big eyes. It was Boynton, right? I think and they, that's the they word. were always just kind of standing. The, and they they're all holding little balloons, and their eyes are really big. Yeah, no mouths. Like the only expression is really on in their eyes, and they're so cute, right? Mm -hmm. So cute and innocent. So that was the only paper I had. So I remember writing all these f words, nice. all the f bombs, whatever. And you remembered what you said. That's that's <laughs> possibly the worst part. And you probably had no spelling errors in the whole thing either, which again is a terrible thing. I don't know, but I remember writing all these heinous bad words on this cute little piece of stationery. <laughs> nice. And I handed it to the teacher. He probably wanted to refer to it later and laugh. He probably framed it in his house. Just I know. To stare you know at what? It. I wish I had that back. Like I want that. I would love to frame that and put it. Chihuahua. <laughs> no, thank you. Don't want that hanging on my walls. No, thank you. Thank you. No. But like, here's another instant of like, I don't know. For some reason, I could bond with this kid, but it turned out he treated me like them, like a them. I. It was, it, it was hurtful. I thought like, I don't know, sitting next to him, he was my desk buddy. I thought, oh, you could, we could be an us. You know what I mean? It was nothing romantic. It was just like, hey, we're both tiny, you know, like, but no. And it leads me to another thing. Like I'm much older now. I'm a professional photographer and I was talking to a client of mine who's a, a very influential, amazing scholar amazing person within the black community and so i you know we would in between going from one photo shoot to another we would be in the same car and we'd have conversations i'm like you know what's always bothered me like i never could figure out was you have like and then i would point to this uh, grocery store a mom and pop grocery store that was run by uh an immigrant family that had just moved to the united states right um broken english like definitely still very new to this culture i'm like why are they so um disrespectful to the black community i don't understand that like can you explain that to me like i would think here's a situation where we can be us together because we all have the same 
inequalities thrown right. at us. You know, right. we're all we're pretty much having the same struggles in life within this culture. Mm-hmm. Why is it that they are so mean to the black people? And so my friend said in, in so many words, I don't remember his exact words, but this is what I understood. And it, it just makes sense to me, actually, like why this would happen. When you have, it's much like being in high school, right? You want to be with the popular kids, so you don't want to stand out. How would you explain it? Like you don't, because you see the majority of the population beating the this group over here down so much. To fit in, you end up beating them down too, even though you're one of them. Yeah, no, So you try to been, separate yourself. There's been all sorts of, you know, stories about, you know, the person running this um, uh, Nazi group that is really Jewish and et cetera, et cetera. We definitely see that through anecdotally, but we do see that. And and honestly, I think it comes from a world of, I don't want to be treated badly. So I can, if I treat other people badly, then maybe I won't be treated badly. I'll be seen as safe. I will be seen as one of us as opposed to yeah, one, one of, of them. Exactly. So us, them, synthesis. How do we, I mean, that's, that's the whole issue. One of us, one of us. Open minds. Oh, I'm sorry. Trigger words. You need to be comfortable Not with you. Him. We, we need to be comfortable with the unfamiliar, but that's just it. We are familiar, but we, we, distance ourselves right if i'm an immigrant family coming in and i see this other group that's persecuted and i'm like hey jerky because everybody else calls them jerky to fit in i say that that we gotta stop that just i mean we okay here's here's my idea we just need to look at everything microscopically because if you break it down, they're not even that culture. They're not even that. But still looking at respecting that culture, just looking that in at one individual person at a time. And just going microscopically in the world, looking at things microscopically. Does that make sense? It does. But not being myopic at the same time, if that's possible. You just got to go in and out, man. Breathe. Like when our lungs go inhale, exhale, expand, contract. I think we need to do that on a daily basis. So look at things minutely and then look at things in the grand scheme of things. Well, I do that like a, like an exercise, right? Always go, what are you looking at? Nothing. I keep looking up. <laughs> Okay, wrap it up, honey. I don't know how to wrap it up. I don't know how to wrap it we up. We gotta wrap up I the mean, world's issues forbid, right now. Heaven Fix forbid it. I say open mind right now. I'm a dead man. I told you what that meant to me now. Exactly. Calm down. Exactly. And then I say unfamiliar and I still get beaten down. You think you're getting beaten down. I maybe tried to wordsmith it in such a way that I said open-minded without saying open-minded maybe, and I still got maybe it. Maybe stop so. trying to wordsmith and just speak from your heart. That's what I did when I said open-minded. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever. All right. It's getting late. This is Let the... people be who they are. Oh, my God. See, again, I'm about to get beaten down. 
Let them be. Let them be. That's what the Beatles taught us. Oh my God. No, we're not talking about let it be. You're saying let them be. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to give you permission to be who you are. You know what? All right. Listen, 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 listen. I just feel like the more we talk, we're going to figure the world's issues out right now on the spot. That's what I'm thinking. I believe that to be true. Right. And I'm thinking the more I talk, the deeper the hole I'm about to dig myself into. It's okay. We need to go deep so we can come out of it. We need to go deep to figure this stuff out. Right? Make it beautiful down there in the deep hole. (laughs) But listen, this is the longest show we've ever done, I think. So we have to wrap it up. But honestly, I just, you know, let's just eat. Can we go eat? I'm, I'm hungry too. But like, let's go find some new flavor. All right? And respect it. I don't know. Shoot. All right. All right, folks. Listen. Please. Hey. Um... (laughs) (laughs) please leave us a review a good one and go to our website email me i'm doing a drawing so whoever leaves a review you'll be entered into a drawing but you have to tell me who it is like if you could take a screenshot or something send me that you wrote that review and uh i'm gonna do a drawing every should we do it every couple weeks but i will send you a print from my book that i'm going to be publishing soon it's all the photographs i took from all the tribes from around the world and i put together all the religious and scientific texts from the greatest mystics throughout history treating religion not as religion but as literature um so the text totally matches what's going on in the photograph anyway it's a family photo album of our global family and if you leave us a review maybe take a survey it's all on the website there are buttons there everywhere you'll be getting a signed print a photo print from my book so what is the website ourfriendlyworld.com perfect all right and instagram is befriendlyworld all right love you guys thank you for hanging in there i know it's a long one wendy you're probably still doing your six mile run while we're talking anyway everybody take care we'll talk to you in a few days be well bye